On today's episode of Voxel FM, Gelardo, Tony and I discuss our favourite games that we played in 2020. Hello and welcome to episode of Oxl FM. I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelada. And we are joined today by our recurring guest, Tony. She's here to uh, also discuss with us our favourite games. Hello, Tony. Hello. We're doing another one of our recurring episodes, but this one's not a recurring episode in the sense that like, we do it whenever we feel like. This is our Games of a Year episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we did, we've done a few of these now. Is that how long we've been going for? We've been going for... a good four years now it's crazy yeah and yeah we're, what we're gonna do is we're gonna discuss the games that we've played this year that really left an impact on us not necessarily games that were released this year because mm-hmm. i don't think all of them have been some of them were definitely but not all of them and we also might end up going over some of the same stuff we've discussed in other episodes we're going to do our best to link all of those episodes in the show notes there's going to be a lot of them so if we skip over some details of a game that we mention. And you're like, oh, I wanted to hear more about that. Well, then go and check out the show notes and there's more episodes you can go and listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I want to start it by prefacing that I feel like I did not play very many games this year. No, um, no. I think after getting into such a good stride of playing lots of Switch games, like, prim- you remember, like, th- uh, this time last year, or even maybe the year before, like, I was like, I'm going to primarily be playing Switch games from now on. I'm going to try mm. and like get through them. And that's how, that's how I reckon I can play some games. And because I was commuting and, you know, it was just easier to play Switch here and there. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously with coronavirus, I've been at home the whole time. So the thing that I'd sort of got into the habit of really doing kind just of fell away, off. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I actually really struggled to sort of think of you know, there's a few games I've played, not very many that I've completed. Mm. Uh, and the ones and like standout ones particularly is even is even harder. I think the game that really stands out for me is something that I that I think about for 2020 is Half-Life Alex, right? which mm. we talked about um, on episode 96, I think. Um, yeah, it was relatively recently. Yeah, and it came out in March, and I haven't actually completed it, I will admit. A big pause where I haven't really played it that much. I think that that's less about Half-Life Alex and more about VR, and about mm. sort of like the faff of getting into yeah. VR and like setting it up to play for a little bit. And you can't play for that long because you get tired standing up all the time. Yeah. Uh, so like, it's sort of, you know, the setup time is quite long, and then the play time is quite short. But, you know, I wanted to I think it's my kind of like top highlight, not to like kind of, I don't know, peak at the very start of the episode, but (laughs) like it's really my highlight because I think that it is the quintessential killer app for VR. Yeah, definitely. Even now, nine months later, we're not really seeing that much strong VR development, like in in that amount of time. And so I actually still think, I thought at the start of 2020 that Half-Life Alex was 
like a sign of oh okay this is it like we're gonna this vr this is vr's year you know this is mm. where it's really gonna take off and yeah we've got the quest 2 and you know there has been a few there's been a few games here and there on all the different platforms and you know oculus is really coming out as the like standout platform uh and and standout hardware as well but i don't know it still feels like we've got a while yet before we see anything yeah I mean, that was kind of telling, like we were discussing before the episode about the the Game Awards, right? And obviously, I know it's not the be-all and end-all, but mm. like there was the VR category and then there were games and then there was Half-Life Alex. And you were like, yeah. I've not heard of any of them except Half-Life Alex. And sure enough, it won. Um, because there's just nothing, like you say, nothing stand out for VR, unfortunately, even now. And I'm hoping that this was just a little bit ahead of its time and, and it still is going to kind of lead the charge and, and really have some more breakout hit full-on gaming experiences within mm-hmm. vr and like you say it's interesting how you said that, like one of the things that you did that kind of puts you off playing it a little bit is the faffa setup and that's with a quest which is you know much simpler and easier and less faff mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah there's no like, like base sort of the bigger headsets so like people who are using the bigger headsets is even more of a like a slog to get set up so that's something I think is going to have to be addressed as well, which you can see they're trying to with the Quest 2, which is sort of like they're really pushing sort of like this is the one to go for sort of mm. thing. Yeah, exactly. Tony, you played a lot more games than me this year. You you kind of had the, the opposite of me playing, you know, fewer games. And I think if anything, you were playing more games than me. What, what games have you what games have been stand out for you this year? Um, so, I mean, obviously, there was the first lockdown and. I played a lot of games during that, but actually my, I would say my actual game of the year is something I picked up quite recently at the end of September and have now logged over 70 hours on it. And that is um, Hades, which Mm. I know a lot of people have been playing and raving about. And in my opinion, for good reason. Mm. Um, So it's, by uh, Supergiant Games, so they've done Bastion, which I have also played, uh, Transistor, which I know David's played, Pyre. Yeah, it's got that isometric perspective. Mm. Um, it's um, it's a roguelike, uh, so it's set in ancient Greece, which I quite enjoy. Not that I'm obsessed with Greece, but it just made me realise, oh, I do quite like the mythology of that sort of era. But no, it's it's really good, Hades. You, you play as, you don't play as Hades, you play as his son Zagreus and um, the idea is you're trying to escape from the underworld and you go through these rooms every playthrough is obviously slightly different I suppose it's procedurally generated the rooms that you get and the enemies Mm. and there's different weapons you can use so you start with the Stygian blade which is just your standard sword Um, but then if you're not sort of keen on that you eventually unlock a bow and, and other sort of Mm. more ranged weapons and what's interesting where the greek gods come in is um some you have a chance in each room to get a what's called a boon from a greek god so they'll say something Mm. to you and they will have little personalities and then there'll be some random boons that you can add so for example you might see zeus and then um he'll give you a lightning strike when you use the attack or the dash or the special and you just choose based on that and they they have different rarities as well so you can have an epic boon or just mm. a normal boon so it's quite interesting it's very much like you die and and i think oh well i'll have one more go because maybe i'll get mm. some different boons and they'll go together differently and it will be 
different and more interesting in a way. It's very much like a roguelike Diablo, really, isn't it? Like in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Even down to the weird little noises the enemies make. It makes me think of Diablo mm. when you, you're sort of going towards the enemies. But it, has a, it really reminds me quite strongly of something like Rogue Legacy. Like that, that was one that kind of I go with the most because that one has the ability to really like change mm. up all your yeah. runes and your equipment and everything very similarly. But rather than mm. being a platformer, it's like a dungeon crawler. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of similar. There's no jumping um, with this. It's, you're just sort of walking around and it's like hack and slash, really. But there is, hmm. it's not just button bashing. It, it is actually quite hard. So the first couple of times I played, I couldn't even get past the first boss. But now maybe if I have a hmm. good session, I'll be able to sort of beat the final boss a couple of times. Sometimes I'll not be as good and not be able to do it. But you really sort of, there's a steep learning curve. But I feel like once you look back to your first playthrough, you think gosh I, I have improved so it is quite rewarding in that regard yeah yeah it, this, Hades to me really feels like a a roguelike game really sort of like breaking out and reaching kind of mainstream appeal I don't feel many roguelikes have done mm, mm. that all that successfully in recent years uh, and Hades has certainly done it because I mean it's it's really done super well this year it's sold loads loads of good attention in, and as well as being a great game it really showcases like the strengths of the roguelike genre I think also like Supergiant have managed to really make a game that although it's a roguelike they have turned that into a, mm. a, a quote-unquote proper game and what I mean is like the thing that stands out for me is is the like voice acting and the the story and the fact that all of the dialogue, even though you play over and over, and you know some people complete it after a hundred run throughs, some people ten run throughs, and like story plot lines and your relationships with the characters develop, and they all develop potentially mm. in a unique way compared to someone else who plays, depending on how quickly or not they defeat mm. the game or meet certain random elements of the game, and they manage to like bring that all together and there's actually very little repetition in the dialogue and in like what's going on which just adds this like whole other layer of polish that you kind of never normally see in a roguelike i guess that's why supergiant games has done so well with this because all their previous games have had that similar sort of like it feels like an indie game but it also has that sort of like quality of the, of the bigger industry titles behind it Mm. Um, they do sort of like ride that like fine line between indie and you know i don't want to say triple a but you know what i mean like kind of bigger budget well well published games so yeah I, yeah no, it, it's really good well, i'm glad that one team. of us has played hades for sure because we haven't i know <laughs> um and yeah it, it definitely something i want to pick up at some point yeah you definitely should it is fun i maybe wouldn't recommend it to david because mm. he's pretty much played it because he's just watched it mm. what's what's the next seth seth what uh, what games have you got on your list so I kind of had the opposite problem for you in the sense that I've actually played loads of games this year, like more than I have time to mention in all these. And I've got an absolutely long list of honorable mentions. But the ones that I wanted to talk about the stand, stand out the most. And the first one of that we, we spoke about uh, on our episode 59 of Soundbite. So you can go back and listen to that. But that's uh, Griftlands. I don't know if you remember mm. me talking about that one a few, uh, few months ago. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of like another roguelike kind of in that it's... Uh, it's like Slay the Spire, mm. but meets, I don't know, I can't think of another game really, but it's very much like Slay the Spire. In the sense, it's a deck building roguelike game. And when we talked about it back in episode 59 of Soundbite, it was still in early, it still is in early access, but 
they've added a lot since then. Like there's a lot of new characters, a lot of new cards and balances and tweaks and everything. And it's just gone from strength to strength. And it's even though at the time when I played it and I finished it effectively, I felt like it was a complete product and I was really satisfied with what I got. It's now almost like another game. It's like almost like another game's been attached to it for free. Really? Wow. You know, which I think is absolutely phenomenally good. Um, this is quite common for Clay's games. Um, like right. they, I know they did this with um, Oxygen Not Included. Like that game just kind of perpetually got made bigger and better over and over and over again. Mm. Um, and the same can be said with some of their other games. Like I really loved Invisible Ink. That was a clay game, um, and I, I I loved that as well for similar sorts of reasons. They just kept adding more content to it. But yeah, Grifflands was such a great game, and it, it's definitely like tailored to me because it's a deck building roguelike, right? Yeah, literally <laughs> like, your literally your favorite genre. <laughs> um, they were like, I know what games I would like to play. Let's make that. Um, so I I still actively think about that i haven't played it since in fairness but i can know for a fact that when i pick it up again i'm going to really enjoy it and there's going to be new content to enjoy too so yeah like that's one that i wanted to mention for sure this in this uh, sort of sum up episode of the year but i won't go into too much detail because i've already talked about it. so go and listen to episodes 59 of soundbite hmm yeah, on the subject of like games that we don't want to talk too much about because we've talked about it or we want to talk about it more uh, is Death Stranding. Okay. Right? So I, <laughs> I, yeah, I picked up Death Stranding uh, this year because it's now on PC. Um, so actually technically a game of 2020. Like sort it came, of, out on, yeah. came out in 2020 um, for on PC. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually still playing through it. Uh, I haven't, at the time of recording, I'm, I'm right near the end, I think. I'm near the end anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> and I know that we do want to talk about it kind of properly, the two of us, mm-hmm. and like dissecting the game a bit more when I finished it. So I don't want to go into too much detail. But, you know, if there is a game that I have actually sunk some hours into this year that is like a game with a start and an end, because most of my gaming has been games that don't have a start and an end. Yeah. This is the one. Like, it's I, I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. I think it, it sounds a bit shallow of me. But honestly, the one possibly the number one thing about it is the visuals mm, for me. Like I, I really, really, really just love the environments and just how wonderfully, fantastically shiny and and beautiful and movie like mm. it really is. That really just like, and I know that there's a lot more to Death Stranding than that. But like in some ways, that's like one of the. But it's just as much part of it, isn't it? Thing. Like the, it's all one big package and if that's the bit the package that stands out Mm. to you the most that's perfectly fine yeah like i still remember just the very start where you've got the like opening cinematic and he's riding a a, you know a bike across the the scenery and i thought that it was a mixed reality thing where there was like a mixture of real film and and cg like it was so like you know and that just kind of sums it up for sure and yeah there's a lot more to talk about about death stranding i don't want to i don't want to spoil it all for when we can really dive into it in detail um, yeah for but, sure <laughs> but it gives but, me yeah. an opportunity to be like yay death running it again um because <laughs> exactly. we, we we did we talked about this already on the previous year's version of this episode um so yeah i did feel guilty trying to add it a second time it's, it's just going to be every year we're just going to bring it up <laughs> uh but going from a game that we've played uh to death now a you see what i did there um Not very good what about another game tony that you've been playing about death um Yes, so um, so I have been playing a few sort of less big games, I suppose, and that game that you're referring to is called Spiritfarer. Mm. Um, 
another game that um, a few people have been playing. And I mean, the only reason I picked it up was because I heard about it on another podcast, which I shall not name. Um, <laughs> there are no others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got on the hype train for that. Um, so it's a really cute game. It's, it, I, I don't know. It felt quite short, but it was probably just because I just had no life and played it forever. Mm. Um, but you're, Basically, you play as this girl who's clearly dead. That's not a spoiler. Um, and her name is Stella. And she has a cat called Daffodil, which is... Of course. That did actually sell me a little bit more on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's you can so hug intentional, it. isn't it? It's such an intentionally scientific, created cat to get you to <laughs> buy the It is really cute. It is a really cute cat. <laughs> you can hug it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... You're given the job or the task of ferrying spirits to the afterlife, um, sort of completing their tasks before they feel ready to move on, as it were. And you have your own little boat. Well, it starts out little and then you add to it. Um, so the game is sort of a mixture of town management, almost kind of Animal Crossing-like, um, bit of platforming mm. and a lot of resource gathering and crafting. Um, so basically, there's there's a main the sort of main story, but you have to keep these spirits that live on your boat for the time they're sort of sorting out their minds to get ready to move on to wherever you go. Um, you have to keep them happy while while they're there through sort of feeding them, so they get hungry, so you can cook them things. They have favourite foods and foods they don't like. Um, little quests they give you. You make them a, a building specifically to them for them. And there's also a dedicated hug button, so you can Aww. hug them. <laughs> and it's very cute. The animations mm. of the hugs are really cute. You can hug your little cat as well, so whenever you want. <laughs> it's, it's a hug simulator. It's actually really it's actually really sad when you do say goodbye to each of the spirits because you do mm. get quite attached to them. And they're, they're all animals. I don't, so they're human when they were alive, I suppose, but they're all... like There's a little snake and a hedgehog, and I won't say any others, but there are... Mm loads of little little cute animals and it just makes it that much sadder when they they leave one of the things that really strikes me about spirit fire because i've not played it but i have seen some gameplay of it is that it just looks really nice like it has this really like almost it's like kind of a watercolory sort of look to it mm. yeah and the the use of color is really good actually it's it's almost like it almost looks hand-drawn and mm. it's all very bright and sort of i don't know like almost like ethereal like because it is the afterlife yeah, thing, yeah. things are weird colors and um but yeah so i do recommend it again probably not to david because he's kind of been watching me play it but if you have that does feel like it, a game where like the gameplay alone probably isn't enough to <laughs> get you through the whole thing um, yeah. you very much do need to experience the story mm, yeah agreed and like see what new spirits you like get to look after and stuff like that yeah it's very good. I do. I highly recommend it. So, I mean, if if anyone, anyone who likes Animal Crossing and wants something maybe a bit lighter or similar, but not the same if game. If you like Animal Crossing, but like the idea of being dead. Is that what you're saying, Tony? That's two yeah. games for you about going to and from the underworld. That's oh, yeah. coincidental, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's even got um, Charon in it, the, the ferry master for the mm. underworld. He's in Hades as well. So, yeah. Well, Greek, go. isn't it? Yeah, well, it is Greek, definitely. Yeah, it is. Well, talking about other things about people that are dead, um, there's a bit of a trend going on here. <laughs> one of the games for me that really stood out for, uh, for this year was actually one of our Game Club games. 
Um, and that was when we played To the Moon mm. for uh, for Game Club. And that was that was one where, again, we've already talked about it, so go and listen to the Game Club episode, episode 98. Um, I, the Game Club episodes for me, I always enjoy them, but then oftentimes they sort of just slip from my memory. But this one really stuck with me. I still find myself thinking about it every so often, you know, thinking about the story and thinking about sort of like, you know, the outcome and and the consequences that are resulting from it and if it's actually a good ending or not and that sort of thing, like or rather a happy ending or not. It's it's a game I, I find myself constantly going back to, you know. It's such a simple little game. Like it was, because uh, you played the Switch version, I know, Jal, yeah. um, which was made in Unity, I think, right? Uh, whereas mm. I played the, played the original RPG Maker game. Um, yeah. which is just so simple like it's just such a little simple game in in so many ways but you know it really did hit home for me Um, and it's something that despite all the other sort of like much bigger much more sort of like you know technically impressive games on my honorable mentions list of this year this one just kept standing out to me and I I couldn't not mention it again even though we've already talked about it yeah I find with that game um, I played the original um, RPG Maker one as well Um, I just find they're really good at storytelling. They don't, mm. you know, they don't, they use RPG Maker to make their games, but they've just really sort of get you with the, the story. Um, I don't know. Mm. Have you played a bird story at all? No, I see. I do own the other two games. There's a bird story and Finding Paradise, and I haven't, I haven't played them yet, um, but I definitely will be doing it at some point. Um, yeah, and I, I imagine they're is- just as good and interesting. A bird story is just, I don't know, don't play it if you're having a bad day or you want to feel oh, happy no. because it's a bit depressing. Oh, no. It's good, but... I'll, it's I'll have to play some spirit fair afterwards and pick my spirits up <laughs> with the hug button. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I, I agree with Tony, like, To the Moon is, it's an example of that, like, video games as an extreme storytelling platform, mm. right? And to the to the sacrifice of everything else in some ways in the sense that like yeah it is very very simplistically made um but telling a complex story which you've not really been experiencing that much of this year because what else have you been playing that isn't story based um so i've been playing a lot of heroes of the storm and i know that we've talked before about like junk food gaming and about mm. like not playing Heroes of the Storm and that being <laughs> one of my like... This is sort of like a therapy session for <laughs> Yeah, you, exactly, it? exactly. But this year with coronavirus um, and us all, you know, we haven't been able to do any, any LAN parties this year, which we've no. talked about a lot on the show. I have been playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm with, you know, all the people from the LAN and, you know, that's been a real kind of almost like Friday tradition or like after work, you know, after dinner in the evening tradition, you know, at some points, especially in like serious lockdown points, it felt like it was almost every night, like, you know, playing some Mm. games of Heroes to kind of round off the day because it was a nice way to feel connected to friends Mm. and, you know, and play together. And it's interesting. I've thought a lot actually about like the gaming community or like gamers in in quotes and the pandemic because i've been thinking a lot about how when we were a lot younger we would play lots of games together after school and mm. we would be on teamspeak or ventrilo um you know talking with people and you would talk to the same people you know every day you wouldn't really talk about anything right you would just kind of like play games together and yeah. like chat about stuff and sort of yeah, be yeah, in each yeah. other's lives a just little chew bit. the fat yeah and i've thought about that a lot this year because you know with people on 
and I know this isn't, we're not talking about games that much now, but, you know, with people sort of discovering things in a way, things like Zoom and Skype and, you know, like mm. lots and lots of video calls and voice calls and, and people sort of discovering the pitfalls and the, and the, the benefits and tribulations of them. Like, it's really interesting that I feel as gamers, we have a little bit of an advantage in that we're mm. very used to that sort of no pressure, low stakes voice chats. In yeah, the that style that of social interaction. Yeah. Like you're in the same, you're doing something together rather than just talking to each other. Mm. And gaming is like, there's not that many ways in a, in a lockdown to do stuff with other people that isn't very like demanding of your focus and your mm. attention and your like well, ability I was say, to games socialize. Games like Heroes especially are, are just a great social lubricant. You know, mm. like, especially games like that, that you are already quite familiar with and mm. you don't really need to think too hard about it. Like the execution is still tough and you have to be sort of paying attention to the execution of the strats, but you can kind of tune out a little bit and just relax and just chat really chat true. with your friends, you know. It's like and your, your brain has that, a meta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It knows what it's doing, you know. I, I see something like Heroes being kind of the equivalent of like going to the pub, mm, you know. Right. To, you don't go to the pub well, okay, most people don't go to the pub just to drink. They go to see their friends and uh, and their colleagues and whatever else. And the drinking acts as a social lubricant to allow that to happen. So, so you know, you don't, you're not just sitting there awkwardly in like at a table talking to each other. Yeah, or <laughs> like know? it's like playing darts or pool or something. Right? Yes, at the exactly. Pub. Like it's yeah. that kind of thing, right? This that it's no but, different. But video games. So yeah, like heroes. I know it's kind of a weird one to put as my as a as a game of the year. You know, games of twenty twenty games of the year. You know, uh, but it's been important it, to you. It definitely has, and it's really interesting as well because you know Blizzard have really um, aband- abandoned in inverted commas heroes mm. in the. You know, they're not doing any esports with it anymore. They've taken a lot of people off the team, but they have still been releasing new heroes. They've been balancing the game. It has been a game of, you know, of movement and of progress. Mm. It's not completely stagnated like I thought that it would. Um, so that's also been really nice as well. Like there have been new heroes to try out and like talk about with friends and, and try out and all of that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely one that, yeah, I mean, I've put a lot of hours into heroes again. <laughs> another year another lot of heroes i, th- I think you can be forgiven this year yeah Maybe i not think we so can let you year. off yeah when um when you start playing it on your own like no one's around and you're like oh i'll just play some heroes yeah. then i think that starts getting yeah. a bit worried i haven't done that once this year the whole year well i think mean, that's really good and obviously you've had other things to focus on too things like death stranding for example where like i've yes. got a good ch- few hours of my time to spend that i'm just on my own that's a good experience to go for but when you want to be you know sociable and you want to spend some time with your friends it's a really great way of gathering around and and you know and sharing an activity together yeah he's, he's come a long way Aww. in his recovery <laughs> tony what have you been doing to keep yourself sane during said lockdown so another well couple of games that i've was i've been playing which i'm going to group together were the two ori games there's ori mm. and the blind forest and Ori and the Will of the Wisps. So I got Ori and the Blind Forest quite a while ago and then finally got around to playing it just as the second one came out. Mm. So as soon as I finished the first one, I bought the second one and went straight into it. So they kind of feel like one long experience for yeah. me. Because I'm assuming there's not a lot of difference between the two of them in terms of like their presentation, the gameplay and stuff, right? No, I mean, obviously there's a graphical 
sort of upgrade with the yeah. second one. The second one I played on PC as well, and the first one I had on Switch, but I couldn't really tell that much difference hmm. um, because I was playing on Steam Link anyway, so I, to the TV. So I don't know whether it was. Yeah, I don't know, it was on my PC as it's well. It's funny, which... isn't it? Because didn't they say originally that they were never gonna, they were gonna really struggle to release the second one on the Switch because the Switch wasn't powerful enough? Uh, and then they they have now, right? Like it is, it's it's either on the Switch or it's coming out on the Switch pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, no, it is out. They managed to managed get to it work on, it out, I guess. <laughs> but no, it's really good. Um, they're both really good, and the um, the music in particular, I really like. Weirdly. Mm on that Spotify wrapped thing, a track from the first nice. game came up as one of my That's cool. sort of of the year, which is quite sweet really. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's it's a platformer sort of Metroidvania style game. You play as a cute little spirit thing. I mean seeing a sort of pattern here with me and Yeah, absolutely. Games. <laughs> <laughs> um and it's it's quite sort of sad in places, especially the second one really got to me. Um mm. so it's got a good story and even though there's no sort of well, there is talking, I think, but your character doesn't talk, and a lot of the characters don't. So it's, yeah, definitely it's sensing a pattern for yourself. It. Like it feels like your games are all very much about like dealing with emotions. Yes, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess it's very because I played, I played a couple of um, indie games, and I feel like shorter games they have to be a little bit more artistic, hmm. so they sort of deal with more like interesting things like the, something else that springs to mind is i haven't actually played it but i know david has which is um greece well Greece, mm, yeah spanish um which seems very arty and it's it just indie games all seem to have that sort of vibe to them like they're sort of working with what they've got so they kind of do more interesting things than a triple a title sometimes i think it's that so. particular type of indie game as well isn't it because definitely not not all not all indies um but you're right that there's a lot of i feel like there's a whole swathe of indie titles that really try and tug on emotions or mm. you know try and do their best to be very emotive to use to sort of bring all of the presentation and story and art and music together in a really really strong kind of powerful way um, which i definitely again watching a little bit of the ori games like the music was a strong part of it as as well as the the visuals um you know and and the same with spirit Pharaoh as well so it's definitely like a particular yeah like a particular style of like you know really dialing all of that up to 11 um mm. to sort of tug on your heartstrings yeah. but I, if you like platformers and that style of game um then it's not really to be missed in my opinion i don't mm. know why it took me so long to play the first one to be honest um i remember so yeah, it coming out and receiving a lot of like rewards and a lot of acc accolades and everything you know, it was really well received at the time yeah um so I, 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 I'm surprised it did take you as long as it has, but I'm glad that you've enjoyed it. Like, I'm glad that you enjoyed both of them. I assume you enjoyed both of them equally. Yeah, um, I would say the second one was probably a bit more memorable. Um, mm. There's a bit more features to it. And mm. I, I guess when I look back on it, it did look a lot shinier than the first one. Um, but they're both equally as good, really. And I think mm. you sort of have to play both. So don't miss the first one. Well, going on from games where the second game was definitely better than the first one, uh, leads to <laughs> one of my games, which was Titanfall 2, mm. which I think is universally accepted that he's just basically better than the original one. Not that the yeah. original one wasn't good, 
but I believe Titanfall 2 was just better in every single way otherwise. It's one of those... It, Titanfall 2 is one of those kind of like what, like forgotten goods, yes. you know, first-person shooter campaign games, right? <laughs> I feel like... I feel really, really bad for... Because it's Respawn Entertainment, right? Mm. And I feel really bad for them because they made Titanfall and Titanfall 2 at the wrong time, in my opinion, right? Mm. Because this was during... I think the very much the the mass saturation of this sort of like uh, semi sci fi first person shooter like high action high octane games like I think this came the first one came out the same sort of time as like Advanced Warfare like Call of Duty Advanced Warfare and then mm-hmm. like Infinite Warfare you know when it was going like super silly like yeah. super intense and silly and unfortunately it just didn't stand out quite enough even with the the Titan gimmick yeah. Um, which is probably the weakest aspects of the game. It's, it, they're fun, but that's not the best bits. The best bits are absolutely the first-person shooting aspects. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it's just, it felt like it got a little bit lost in the shuffles of all of these games. And, like, the people who, like, liked all games were like, oh, it's just another, like, high-octane shooter, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the people that liked high-octane shooters were like, well, I'm playing Call of Duty, you know, yeah. or I'm playing <laughs> uh, Rainbow Six Siege or whatever, you know. Um and it's such a shame because I Titanfall 2 is so good. It is so unbelievably good. And I'm so glad that it came to Steam because I probably wouldn't have played it otherwise because I wasn't prepared to go through, I think it's EA Origin, isn't it? Yeah, um, it would have been. And, and I'm like, ugh, EA. Um, but yeah, it came to Steam and I think it was like half price. I was like, it was cheap, really... yeah, because I, I haven't played it all the way through, but I've played a couple of, like the first sort of hour or two because mm. it was definitely on there was like some some good offers some good discounts which meant that it was kind of you'd be silly not to pick it up kind of thing yeah it was really good it was like 75 percent off or something silly like really really cheap but it 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 so delivered like it was such a great experience it's really short i think i got like 10 hours out of the main campaign but every single minute of those 10 hours was like you know really fulfilling like super Mm. engaging really great gameplay like i couldn't i can't believe how they managed to squeeze in so many fun mechanics within such a short period of time without it both feeling rushed or anything out saying it's welcome. Like there was just the sort of the short section where you're kind of like hopping between different times timelines, you know, and it feels and flows so naturally. And you can tell they've spent so much time and effort handcrafting the way in which you move. It's like, you know, when you watch those like documentaries by Valve, when this like, you know, we, we place this here in Half-Life 2 to do mm, this and to make yeah. place to, it's like that. But if like they've, sped it up by like four times you know <laughs> because you're you're running a breakneck speed but yet n- you never feel like where am i supposed to go what must be to everything flows and feels really natural mm. to the point where it's definitely not done naturally because they have handcrafted it perfectly to make sure that it feels like that you know it's such a well-crafted game and it feels so great to play and it's just mm. such a shame that like you say it kind of flew under the radar a little bit uh it didn't do as well as it probably deserved to do you know uh, and i'm i'm just really glad that i picked it up and played it so mm. yeah Titanfall nice. 2 was definitely a, a standout for me a bit different from the other games on my list um you know it's quite a high action you know first person shooter style game um which i haven't played a lot in recent years like i used to be a kind of big into first person shooters but i dropped off a lot recently but i'm really glad i played Titanfall 2 like it, it's super delivered nice yeah i think there's one there's really well there's a couple of other games on for me that we still haven't talked about and there's one that i know that we've all played a lot of and it's almost Mm. the elephant in the room about 20 of of sort of like 2020 games of the of the year or whatever 
Um, and that's Animal Crossing, right? Like, I think that the timing... We've, we don't need to talk about Animal Crossing that much because we've talked about it a lot in the past. And I think we've got an upcoming Animal Crossing, like, retrospective episode. Is that that's coming Yeah, out? so we've, we've done a couple of episodes on Animal Crossing New Horizons already. Episodes 89, 93, and 102. Um, and we've discussed previous entries of the game as well. And we've got an upcoming Animal Crossing retrospective next year, which isn't out yet um, by the time we recorded this episode. So... Yeah, we've we've talked a lot about Animal Crossing. <laughs> we have, we have. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a good one. That was my my companion through like early coronavirus announcements. Mm. I think <laughs> like that was my that like, was my escapism. The thing that I I kind of want to ask both of you guys is like, do you still play it or do you still go back to it now? Because I haven't touched it for months. I haven't gone back to it for a long time. I never do. I never stick with Animal Crossing games for a no. long time. Like it's just not my vibe. Like I just. I yeah I just it just doesn't appeal um and I you know I kind of I'm like well there is no end to this game and I've got my hours you know I've done my hours in a way mm. like because I've played it a lot and I find that eventually the loop gets too stagnant cu- too cutesy repetitive you know mm. because that's the thing is that it's one thing to have something like I don't know maybe Stardew Valley um, or, or to some extent like maybe like a Harvest Moon game or I don't know games that have like you know very repetitive gameplay loops yeah Minecraft even um, but Animal Crossing's gameplay loop is also very like simplified and dumbed mm. down because it's an Animal Crossing game and it that's it very it's, much it's, requires you to have goals to do yeah um, even within your own gameplay loops of like going through the turnips and and the money trees and the and whatever else each day it still requires you to actually have something you want to do because after a while none of it is even needed for you to to continue like it's just it's not like in like stardew valley for example where you have Mm. to look after your crops and you have to look after your animals and you want to continue like look you know building your social interactions between people because the game sort of just almost freezes in place with animal crossing and if you don't do Mm, anything nothing really happens yeah that's a good there's no sort of like repercussions for not doing anything yeah um i have picked it back up once actually just this week past i felt a bit bored and thought oh i might just go on and just deal with the weeds mm, and um, out. yeah and just see if there's any snow but i was a couple of days early for snow apparently it can appear from the 10th and i went on a, on like the 7th or something so ah. i probably will go on to have a look at the snow and mm. see what's about um and it's surprisingly not as bad going back to it as i thought it would be because previous games i've thought no no i can't go back i'll go back and someone will have moved out without telling me and they'll all tell me off and there'll be weeds (laughs) everywhere but it's actually not that bad they just say oh where have you been like they Mm. just sort of act like you've gone on a sabbatical or something yeah yeah and then um, i think it's good because they don't want people to feel pressured by a social situation (laughs) yeah so really they don't want you to not come back they want you to come back experience all the updates right uh, yeah like as much as you want if that makes sense like because to me i always thought you either play it forever every day or you play it for a bit and then you leave and then you can't go back because it's awful because and you'll be punished and nintendo will punish you but it's not really <laughs> that at all it's actually just like oh, okay carry on if you like i mean there's that feeling of oh i've missed all of the pumpkins and i've missed mm. all of these but then i think mm, it doesn't really matter no exactly um, it's just quite nice having a look you also have a very like 
crafted islands with lots of paving so you your weed level was actually quite low like i went i did go back once and have a look and it was like you know every other square was a weed and i was like Mm. i'm this is this is gonna take me too long to try and do i just have to leave them there i'm just gonna leave them (laughs) i quite like picking the weeds i quite enjoy because you only had about 10 to pick No, there was quite a few. But <laughs> I no, I one of the things that we myself. sort of have to deal with, I, I certainly feel this, and I'm sure you guys do a little bit, is that like we probably game Animal Crossing too much. Um, Classic. And, yeah. like, Even if you we, try we, not to. <laughs> you, yeah, like we, you just maximize. Like I have millions of bells. I don't, and that doesn't help me in any way in terms of enjoying the game other than being like, oh, I can do whatever I want with them. But now I've sort of finished the you know the desire to make more money because i really don't need any more and i think that doesn't help because like you know you're so pre-programmed as a as a you know as a gamer quote unquote to, to kind of do that um whereas i think people who probably picked up animal crossing at the beginning of the lockdown who don't otherwise play mini games probably enjoyed it for a much longer period of time because they didn't do that yeah i agree <laughs> <laughs> The last game that I wanted to mention that really stood out for me uh, was I played through the remastered collection of Homeworld. Oh, yeah. Um, you RTS about, nerd. Oh, I mean, I love him, right? They're just so good. And we've talked about Homeworld a little bit in the past, but not as much as I thought we had. It feels like we talk about it all the time, right? Because it's such an important series. I know to you and I especially, Chow. Mm. Um but it's like, I don't think we talked about it as much as maybe we need to have done. Um, but yeah, like Homeworld was one of those games where back in the day I played it so much and I remember it looking incredible and I remember it being this really fun experience, but I never finished it. Mm, and then yeah. I, I think it was because I played Homeworld Deserts of Karak, which we did talk about on the show. Mm. And I was like, I really want to play Homeworld. And then one of my honorable mentions for the year came out and I tried, which was Hard Space Shipbreaker. Yeah, which is made by the same team as the as the Homeworld collection was, and it has a very similar art style. So I was like, okay, I need to play Homeworld, and I downloaded Homeworld. I was like, oh, this is so good, you know. Um, yeah. It doesn't the old game doesn't look anything like the new game. Which I it's like when I was playing it through, I ha- definitely had some very rose tinted glasses on for the old the original mm. games because yeah. I proceeded to boot up the very original Homeworld in the classic version of the game within the, the remastered collection because you can get like a single like achievement whatever on steam oh my god does it look hot garbage oh, it's so bad so bad because like, i just don't remember it looking that bad but it really is terrible and the ui is terrible but yeah so <laughs> but i really enjoy it and i finished them as well like I, i'd never finished the games before um and i can't believe that's the case for a game that i hold very dearly to myself um uh, and I finished both the ser- both games, and the story was really enjoyable, and I really enjoyed the the majority of the the episodes of the, of the campaign that you played through. Um, it probably wasn't balanced perfectly. I remember, in, especially in the remaster of the first one, like I think I really broke the game quite badly um, by just stealing <laughs> every ship and just having like an obscene amount of capital ships that just seemingly couldn't be beaten. Um, and they definitely addressed that in the second in her world 2 remaster um and giving mm. you limits on certain things like hard limits that you cannot go past um but still yeah <laughs> i definitely broke the game a little bit but it was super fun and and it was really it felt like a finale for me it felt like a real closure of a chapter you know like because mm. this is a game that have always been outstanding for me that i never sort of like wanted to not finish but it's never did you know so mm. 
This one will really stand out for me now. From from 2020, I will remember playing through Homeworld Remastered and really loving it and, and really sort of closing that chapter of uh, the Homeworld for me. All right, you're making me feel bad just because I've never finished them. <laughs> you, you should. You definitely should. You should go and pick them up. The remastered looks so good. Like they're so pretty. Yeah, especially I've, I've the second one. I've played some of both of. Yeah, I've played some of the remastered collection. I've I, I played a few skirmishes as well. Um, so fun. Uh, you know, like definitely go and pick it up. And it's probably like super cheap if you buy it on sale. Yeah, definitely. And look out for Homeworld three. No idea oh, when yeah. it's coming out, but look out for it some point in the future. I think that's all of our main games, right? Hmm, it is. I think so. Uh, did you guys have any honourable mentions? I've got a few. I've got a couple, I think. Uh, one of them, I haven't finished it yet for reasons, which I shall divulge. Um, I've been playing Horizon Zero Dawn on PC. Yeah, so I, I didn't play it oh, yeah. on PS4. David did. Um, but it's really good, and I probably should play some more. I was stopping it because I thought I was going to be getting a new graphics card which would then make it look a lot better there's actually mm. my graphics card actually isn't good enough for the minimum requirement so it does glitch a bit um, it's playable wow I didn't realize it was that high requirement yeah. actually it's yeah. what's weird is that it's like it's the graphics card is just slightly too old it's not necessarily too underpowered but the thing is is that Zero Dawn mm. uses like particular APIs from like a very, very Fairly new modern direct stuff, X. Yeah. And it's just not they because it's a port as well, they never really did mm. anything to handle that because it was kind of like, well, this is just how like like this is just how so it's like right on the cusp. Your graphics card needs to handle it like a PlayStation. Yeah, would exactly. It and even though the gra- like there was like a software update for the graphics card to support this new stuff, but it's just not quite right. like it's not really a like brute uh, a like raw performance issue mm. and it's more just like the game is just very badly optimized mm. basically but yeah it's fun um and i will go back to it because it looks like i won't be getting a graphics card for a while because the one or ones that i am looking at are just constantly out of stock so yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i think i will just play it but it is really good and i'm glad i've got it um mm. and it's been a decent enough time since david played it that i don't really remember the story mm. um so that's that's one and the for sequel's me. not far off right yeah, yeah that's true that's definitely been announced i i guess it's it'll start yeah. out just on ps5 yeah any other honorable mentions well just some sort of pandemic related games not literally just games i've played during the pandemic mm. with friends um a lot of don't starve together yes. which um i haven't played for a long while now but used to play quite often with a couple of our friends um josh and harriet um and we all got quite good at that really uh and it's one of those games where you look down at the clock and realize four it's three in the morning hours. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was a good one um and then also i guess jackbox really mm, yeah. I, I bet you they have sold so many copies this year <laughs> yeah yeah but definitely um so i mean not much to say about that really apart from it's just a good way of socializing mm. and filling that void that you can't fill by seeing people in real life yeah so. it's kind of like what Jao was saying about <laughs> heroes but like even more mm. like social lubricant yeah definitely but that's that's about it for me really mm. Jao, i think my only other honorable mention is elite dangerous for sort of similar reasons yeah, as heroes sure. um you know 
coming back to that odyssey the new expansions coming out next year and they're really ramping up towards the end of this year in terms of content and mm. you know updates and things like that they've sort of clearly they've got a roadmap you know pinned on the wall of like here's the things we're going to do between now and when odyssey comes out and they're working their way through them which is really cool to see i've always it been is, a big yeah. fan of, of elite dangerous you know i backed it on kickstarter it's one of the few things i've ever backed um mm. and, and it's worthwhile as well yeah do you have the lifetime thing i don't have the lifetime expansion oh, uh, expansion pass it was it was like it was expensive right it was it was like 100 pounds right. or something um right. so yeah i i did i didn't go quite that far uh in my backing um but uh yeah i think that yeah we've talked a lot about elite in passing here yeah. and there um it's yeah it's, and expect us to talk about it more when honestly yeah talks. definitely <laughs> definitely but it's been a great year for Elite. They've added lots of new content, like all the fleet mm. carriers with this year, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they added all of the uh, community goals back in and started kind of, you know, progressing with the storyline and stuff. And yeah, so definitely, definitely worthwhile mentioning it, absolutely. Mm. What about you? You mentioned Hardspace Shipbreaker, for example. That was one of your kind of like yeah, extra I, mentions. Yeah, I, you know, I thought I talked about this on a soundbite. I don't think I did. Mm. Um, it's it's a fun little game. Like, it's, it's a very simple, like interesting mechanics of puzzle-like gameplay where you have to like break apart spaceships to salvage them Hmm. like and i mean break apart like with tools like you have to like you know weld and like uh i don't know what you would say like uh, melt i guess (laughs) (laughs) um away different like sections of ships and sort of like pull out the power core and like disconnect fuel lines it sounds pretty boring but it's it's surprisingly chilled out and fun once you sort of get in the groove of it my only sort of like main criticism is the fact that it's a little bit repetitive because they Mm. only have like three ship variants and there's a few variations of those variants but they're basically the same and it just gets a little bit monotonous after a while once you kind of know what you're doing especially so Mm -hmm. it's really good honestly the one of the best things about it is how it looks it looks Mm. really cool like it has this really sort of like unique kind of almost block color like style to it and and the ship design is is straight out of homeworld like they look like homeworld ships um you know which is again why i then played homeworld remastered mm. um so yeah, i recommend it and and then they, they've got a lot of content still to come because it's still in early access um but yeah definitely give it a look if it even sounds remotely interesting mm. to you nice um, I'm going to rattle through some of my honourable mentions. Certainly not going to spend too much time on them because we've we talked about a few of them in the previous episodes as well. Um, XCOM Chimera Squad came out mm. this year. Um, it was all right, and honestly, I forgot it came out this year, um, which kind of goes to show it wasn't maybe the most memorable game. Um, we talked about that in episode 52 of Soundbite, so go and listen to that one. Uh, Assemble with Care, which was a lovely little like narrative game, kind of reminds me of some of the games Tony was talking about actually. Mm. Um, kind of narrative driven pulls on your heartstrings a little bit you know um, very relaxed very chilled out it's the sort of game you have you know with a just a coffee to the side you know on a quiet morning or something you know when you're off work that kind of thing very, very nice very little chilled I think it was only like four quid as well it wasn't expensive I mean, mm, it was just nice. a nice game um, Crying Sons I feel like we talked about Crying Sons on the show but I don't think we did again that's mm. crazy maybe just in a um, pre-show chat Maybe, yeah, and it's a shame because I, th- I genuinely think he probably deserved his own soundbite, honestly. Um, it, it's sort of like a top-down RTS roguelike game, so it's like mm. FTL meets grid-based RTS-style pl- gameplay. Yeah. Um, the story was really good, surprisingly. Like, I couldn't believe how good the story was for it. Like, it had a genuinely interesting and, like, uh, intriguing story. 
um you know for a game that's like a roguelite rts game which you know it's like sounds kind of weird to have like such a good mm. story and as well as great music and visuals too so i recommend t- checking out crying sons if you like things like ftl for example yeah. um very very similar sort of style a little bit more dark dystopia style uh, sci-fi um but still really really good nonetheless um i've also been playing automa chef i've just been picking that up every so often um that one's right on my alley that's sort of the similar sort of ideas of things like wilmot's warehouse that i played last year on this episode on this show um and things like um cook serve delicious that i love to mention every so often on this show you know has that sort of like efficiency scratch that i like you know mm. you, you gotta just plan everything out just right you know you can always get a little bit better a little, little bit more efficient in the way you place things to, to make an automated kitchen um yeah tony that reminds me i think that you've got an honorable mention that you've that you've missed on the subject of puzzle games i've been playing picross i've never played it before on the just in general on the snares right it's one of the what are they the like nintendo online thingies oh yeah like the the collections yeah it's mario's picross specifically Mm. that i'm playing and, the um, music is stuck in both of our heads. Like it's like it's a weekend hair all the time. It's just on loop. Is it's it? on loop, and it's really short because it's a SNES game. It's, it's exactly what you would expect. And I found a feature where you can turn it Thank off. God. So I did that. <laughs> but no, I'm actually not awful at it, and it's it's just quite fun to just do a couple of puzzles instead of going back to a really deep game. And I don't know. I never thought I'd say I like puzzle games, but mm. that was quite mm. good. Uh, that's just an aspect of the, the kind of gaming industry we didn't really talk about too much this year was how Nintendo did with their SNES collection releases, mm. um, yeah. which feels like they could have done better, but it's still pretty good what they've given us so far. Yeah. Some co- kind of cool, like, relatively niche games that you wouldn't expect. Like, uh, was it, what is it? Is it Wild Arms Reloaded? Was that it? Gunsmoke Reloaded? I can't remember what it's called now. Um, the I little, feel like it's uh, Wild, Wild West one. That's really, that's really fun. I like that one. Yeah, I mean, they've put a couple of the Donkey Kong countries on, which are quite good i suppose mm. but i don't know i just i don't feel like playing them really no <laughs> but it's good to have them on there and it's a nice little bank of games support mm. yeah the only other last one i wanted to kind of give a little shout out to for my, for my mentions is kind of not really an honorable mention really for this year because i haven't finished it yet and i do want to have a whole episode on it a main show so it's a little teaser for you instead for 2021 octal fm <laughs> and that's i finally got around to playing valkyria chronicles 4 which i know mm. i've been meaning to play for a long time now um but i finally started playing it and, and i'm pretty far in like i'm probably at least two-thirds of the way into it now um and i'm really really enjoying it a lot like it's it's basically just the first game valkyria chronicles 1 but bigger and better in every way um so I'll, I'll leave it there but look forward to an episode in future about that one um it's also a really great game to complement a future episode coming up that we have on oh, yeah. the differences between translation and localization within mm. video games possibly our little... nerdiest episode topic ever yeah absolutely so another little little uh, teaser for you there uh Octal fm listeners uh, look <laughs> forward to that in 2021 too and um, uh, the other thing to look forward to is uh, talk when we talk about our you know games that we're looking forward to right in 2021 mm. um which will be coming out pretty soon when you're listening to this which ironically a couple of games on our list from last year are still on <laughs> yeah um, that happens every I year though every year there's like does. games that 
just stay on the list. <laughs> hey, Animal Crossing did come out. <laughs> finally. And Final Fantasy VII yeah. Remake did come out. Yep. So at least those are finally off that list, yeah, right? exactly. Uh, I think the other one was uh, Titans, uh, Industries of Titan. That's still not out yet. Um, but that one still looks really good. But it, they, 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 def- they haven't got a release date. It just says 2021 now, and I don't believe them. Um, <laughs> was yeah. there anything else that like uh, you guys are looking forward to or you've enjoyed? I just wanted to mention. Oh, I think we've covered. I think we've covered everything. I'm trying to think. Nice. Well, that was a good little roundup. Like that. This is a proper bumper episode, but that's fine. Um, we will uh, be back next episode with like you say i'll look forward to the games of 2021 however that's going to be panning out because Mm. uh it's going to be an interesting year next year people go back to work and Mm. and get back to kind of normal life quote unquote most likely although touch wood Mm. um but yeah like it's going to be an interesting one so uh, definitely check us out next time um i mean i'm sure we've missed plenty games of the year that people have been playing like that that we haven't mentioned for example we, we didn't mention the real game of the year of last of us 2 right? Oh, right, last yeah. part 2 we didn't, we didn't mention that <laughs> did we no exactly um, and if you're really angry about that then you should definitely let us know let, share your anger with us don't let us know um, i don't want to hear your opinions <laughs> on the last of us 2 normally i'm like yeah please message us let us know what you think Except that. really interested to find out just don't bother go and post on tumblr again <laughs> I might edit that out. That was maybe a little bit too uh, too insightful. I might edit that little bit out. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can let us know uh, or don't or not by emailing us show at octal.fm. Uh, you can let us. You can get in touch with us on Twitter uh, at octal.fm on Twitter or Facebook facebook.com forward slash octal.fm. Uh, and in the meantime hoping we all hope all three of us hope that you have had a wonderful christmas and you have a have a wonderful new year um and in the meantime i've been gelada i've been Sephron. and i've been tony and catch us again for another episode of octal fm in 2021 Are you sure that's the, the, the next episode of this is going to Yeah, because the published date for this is the 29th. So it is. Good. Yeah, okay. Just, I was just double-checking that. I was like, <laughs> is he right about that? <laughs> if not, you'll have to splice in a very soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I can take a very soon from the other 109 <laughs> episodes exactly. we have. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that was Supermassive James. Yeah, Supermassive James. Super uh, I- massive James. <laughs> Who's Jesus that? Christ. <laughs> and also, he's a bit of a noob, so. Oh, dear. <laughs> Hot takes on Nox <laughs> Don't Don't reveal it. Don't give it away. You basically away. said you're not a gamer. Have you played any games? Tony, you, you still don't sound confident in saying your own name. <laughs> I don't. It's just because you're, um, it's just a weird sentence. Is it? I've been Tony. I'm <laughs> also Tony now. And, and... 
continuing. Yeah, it's like when it, I'm now going to float away and become no, you someone being else. Tony on the show, you you reintroducing yourself. I just, I'd rather just say bye. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>